Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, my first guest today is someone I've known for years. I used to be a frequent guest on her show on MSNBC. And by the way, as I'll tell in the programming, she's the second longest host in MSNBC's history. And she's been kind enough to host some of our C-Suite Network conferences as well. I'm talking about JJ Ramberg. She's an entrepreneur, a TV host, a podcast host, and a best-selling author. She is someone with a good business sense. I'm going to use that word good because it's going to come out in the interview a couple of different times because she's got a franchise on the word good. Someone I admire and is an overall jack of all trades. JJ, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hello, Jeffrey Hazlett. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, this is this is different for us because usually I've always been on the other side and you've you've always been interviewing me, and I've been giving you the little old sound bites. But you're going to do that today. <laughs> the, the tables are turned. I'm really enjoying being on this side, actually. It is nicer, isn't it? It's less prep work, less uh, a little bit less stress, I think, quite frankly. Because you know, everybody says, "Hey, do you want to run through the questions in an interview?" And I go, "No, just ask me. If I, you know, I should be able to answer them. It's fine." You're good. <laughs> exactly. So tell I know me the what you're, up you're asking about me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all about me now. So, hey, what are you up to now? What are you doing? Um, I just launched a new company called Good Pods, and it is for people who love listening to podcasts, and it is for podcasters. It's basically a social network and pod player where you can follow your friends and influencers to see what they're listening to. So you know those times when you're about to go for a run and you're like, oh, what do I listen to? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and 20 minutes later, you still don't know what to listen to and you realize your runtime is over. Yeah. That's what good pods. Are. And so we've got some great people on ranging from, you know, Malcolm Gladwell to Kim Kardashian that you can follow. And then, of course, you know, the most interesting is, is to follow your friends and see what they're listening to. Yeah, because that's where you, you know, I love friend sourcing. You know, when I was first looking for apps a number of years ago. I tweeted out to all my friends and on Facebook said, I, I've got this new iPhone when I switched from the old, uh, the other one to an iPhone. I said, hey, I'm looking for the great apps. What should I'm looking? And everybody started sending me all these suggestions. I put them in a spreadsheet and I took the top three in each category. And that's how I found the apps that I really wanted to use because they're my friends. Yeah, I mean, that's where we get the best suggestions, right? Restaurants, hair products, whatever it is, you want you want podcast suggestions too. And what we found is that people were doing this on text or on Twitter or in Slack channels. What's the best podcast? But then by the time you're ready to listen to one, you're not going to go through all of your text. Sorry, there's not good pods. You're not going to go through all your text so pods, right? It's like Instagram or Twitter. You just follow them. When you're ready to listen, it's right there. Yeah, I think that's great. So, you know, and podcasting has, has been a really great venue for me. Uh, in fact, this month we hit a million downloads, which is awesome. So how do you foresee, how do you see or foresee podcasting changing the way that we do business? 
In all kinds of ways. I mean, podcasting is still in its nascent stages. It is still a yeah. tiny industry, right? Radio or all these other industries. And, and people are just getting it. And, and um, it changes business in a lot of ways because, I mean, A, as an education tool, but B, if it, it's a way to build your brand. So there are all kinds of companies out there that have their own podcasts. Um, yep. as a, just another way to engage with their listener. I mean, engage with their, their clients or by the way, internal ones to engage with their employees. Yeah. Which is a great way of being able to do it to have, especially if you got a large number of employees inside the company, it's a great way to be able to get that message out because not everybody has time to watch video, but you always have time to listen. You always have time to listen. Yeah, because people, well, not, not right now, but usually people commute, right? You're sitting in the car and you have time to listen to something. You're walking, you're on the subway, you're going for a run. Exactly. You don't need to be watching something. You're just listening. Yeah, we find a lot of people. In fact, you know, we're able to track where people are listening from, how long they listen. So we know that some shows that they, they 27% of the people listen on an iPhone watch, for instance. Well, that tells you they're mm -hmm. doing it while they're working out, you know, or doing some other kind of activity, which I think is kind of neat. You know, you mentioned that we're just at the early stages of the podcast, and I couldn't agree more. Um, I would describe, if you had to say a podcast is like someone's life, I would say we're maybe just the pre-teens, pre-teens right now, that we've still got a long ways to go before we become adults in this industry and before it really matures as a real matured industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think of podcasting too now, like blogging was remember when, when blogs yeah. were first using and everyone came into this. And so there were so, I mean, there still are so many blogs, um, but the barriers are so low to be a podcaster that it's a great way for people to get in, try stuff out, try their messaging, try their storytelling, whatever it is, and see if it's something that they enjoy and that works for them. Uh, the problem with pod, the podcasting industry right now is that discovery is a huge issue. There are more than 30 million podcast episodes out there. And yeah. so, yeah, there are the big ones, right, that you know, The Daily, Joe Rogan, et cetera. We all know about those. But there are tons of amazing podcasts that just don't make those top lists. That's what we're well, that's trying to solve for, right? Well, but that's why you need a service like yours. And that's also why you need an industry or excuse me, a, a network like the C-suite radio networks. It's the exact same thing. That's what exactly. I'm preaching. You know, if you want to be found, if you want to have discovery, you got to either get through some type of search engine or friends list or, you know, people who can, you know, help you get to the tribe of the tribe of the tribe, right? Or... In, in this case, or find it through, oh my gosh, I listen to Jeff Hazlett. Well, what other ones are on that network that I can listen to? Very much to what you're doing too. Yeah, exactly. And if I like Jeff, I want to know what else he's listening to, right? So I'll go follow him on Good Pods. We have these, um, now that we've been launched for a little bit, we have all these really awesome case studies. So um, for example, someone listened to this show, The Art the Exit, which I had never heard of before. And it was about a $100 million art heist. And I watched it because I follow, you know, we can follow everyone on the network. I watched it go from friend to friend to friend to friend. Oh, wow. Clearly no one had heard of that show before. But I, I saw it go through from one friend group to another friend group to another friend group. And suddenly that episode, which would have not made a top 10 list on another um, podcast player, right, went viral through our community. 
That's cool. That shows you the power of friends. And speaking yeah. about the power of friends, I need to take a quick break uh, so my friends could listen to this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back. We're talking with JJ Ramberg, the co-founder of Good Pods and the co-founders of GoodShop.com. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but right now we're talking about the power of podcasting. And of course, you're listening to this podcast right now on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And um, you know, one of our flagship is my is my show, All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, live with JJ Ramberg. Now, JJ, as I mentioned in the intro, and we started out was a television host on MSNBC. Now she's leading Good Pods. And of course, we're going to talk about her other uh, business, which has been around for quite a while and doing really good. She's led a couple of businesses that have just skyrocketed. Her and her brother. You do business with your brother, don't you? I do. He's my co-founder in Good Pods and in Good Shop. And actually for Good Pods, my sister, um, she's working with us as well as is my nephew. <laughs> is that right? So is this is this one you finally said, hey, I can go gra grab some other family members or did you need them or what <laughs> what, what made you decide to add, add these other ones in? You know, my nephew has started uh, many, he started a bunch of companies and, and he's obviously a lot younger than us and it's good to have some youth on the team. Um, my sister, you know, another Stanford MBA, one of the smartest people I know. And so I kind of... Um, Last summer was like, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? <laughs> Next thing she's scared of the team. <laughs> is she is it is it free labor yet? Or is it still free labor or are you starting to pay people? <laughs> Couldn't I pay in love? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've exactly. got a whole team here. There's a whole team of, you know, people actually actually get paid around this, yeah. but it's very fun working with everyone. And, you know, Ken's first company was Monster's biggest acquisition. So there's a lot of brain yeah. power behind this. Yeah, he, he's done well as, as, as in addition to you and the rest of your family. Is your whole family just filled with high achievers? <laughs> We're filled with a lot of entrepreneurs. We. Yeah. Grandparents on both sides, mom, dad, me, Ken, Mel, we're a lot of entrepreneurs. That's fabulous. What did your parents do? I'm curious. I've never asked you that question. What did your parents do? Um, my dad, my dad's dad was a peddler when he first came to the U.S. door to door and then started a furniture store, which my dad then ran with him and then did two other companies of his own, one in storage and then one in real estate. My mom was a stay at home mother, volunteered a lot, but never had a paying job until her uh, mid to late 40s when she and Ken, my co-founder, started a company in the job listing space, which then became Monster's biggest acquisition. Yeah, that's just crazy. That's just, uh, that's awesome. That's a, some good pedigree there. So yeah, let's go, let's go to the company that you started before this, which was Good Shop. So tell me about Good Shop. Um, Good Shop is in the coupon space. So if you're about to go shop at the Gap and you want to make sure you're not missing out on saving money, you can go look on Good Shop to see what coupons are out there for the Gap. And we started um, as a socially responsible company where a percentage of what you spent can go back to your favorite cause. So we've raised um, about $14 million for causes. But in addition, now you can either have money go to a cause or go back to if you want cash back to you. No, that's pretty. That's a pretty good way of doing it. And I like it when businesses can always do things for good. Hence, good shop, right? Good shop. Yep. Yeah. No, it's been fun. It's been 13, 14 years now. I think we've been running this company. 
been a long time, but it's 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 been great. It's been really fun to watch that company grow. So what what did you learn from Good Shop and that experience that led you with good good pods? That so what did you learn that was was really good to take with you? And then I'm going to talk to you about the bad stuff too. Uh, you know, it's all mixed together, right? It, and it's a combination of having run Good Shop and interviewing entrepreneurs for 13 years. So what we really learned is just get things done quickly, right? And listen to your customers. I did a lot more customer research before launching um, Good Pods than I did with Good Shop. It worked out for Good Shop, but, but I could have probably, you know, sped up some things um, if I listened a little better earlier on. And so for good pods, for instance, I probably talked to, and this is going to sound crazy, but 600 people as we were launching this thing, right? Before there was anything out in public, ranging from, you know, the CEOs of a billion dollar companies to, you know, a podcast listener in Topeka to just say, what, it, what are you interested in here? Um, so I, I just think the idea of listening to your customers is a lesson I took very seriously from oh, from yeah. all the entrepreneurs I interviewed and from my experience at Good Shop. Well, because you can truck yourself into a business pretty quick and, and convince yourself this is the model and then understand that it doesn't follow customer behavior. And if it doesn't follow customer behavior, you're going to lose. I don't care how good your model is um, because you've got to capture that customer behavior. Very exactly. important. Let me yeah, go back to your show. Because uh, I always love going and doing your show. Of course, it aired on Sunday mornings very early, you know, when a lot of business people get up, have coffee. I mean, it was a great time slot. Of course, you were sponsored by American Express for a long time, uh, which was awesome. What What did you like about the show? You know, I've been thinking a lot about that recently because I it's been about a year and a half since I've done it. And when it first ended, I thought, okay, that was a great run. I'm interested in doing something else right now. I'm so excited to launch Good Pods. In the past seven weeks, I have missed it quite a bit. Um, I mean, I'm so happy to get to focus 100% on Good Pods. But what I loved about the show is that you know this. It is really hard to run a business. Um, yeah. And it's really hard to run a small business or medium-sized business business because you often feel very alone. And through that, I don't even, I don't even know if I quite knew the relationship I had in, until it ended. And I got so many incredible letters. We have built this relationship with our audience of we're there for you. And, and I, it wasn't like when I would do a spot for the Today Show, it would be a little bit more general, right? But when I did it, when I did something for my show, it was I am a business owner talking to you as a business owner. So when I'm going to ask, you know, how do you deal with healthcare? I'm not going to just say A, B, C, or D. Here are the top five steps. I'm going to go into it to say, okay, here's the next question. Here's the next question. Here's the next. Now you can really do this. And when we need to be optimistic about how we can change our businesses in hard times like this. It's not going to be platitudes. It's going to be, I get this is hard. In it with you. Now let's try and figure out how to change things. And so I, I, I've, been, I've been missing the opportunity to engage with um, my audience around a time when I know people really need support right now. Yeah, right really. now they really do. I mean, that's why we've gone daily. You know, and we know yeah. the impact it's having because we're getting it, it. 
there's not a day that goes by that I don't get notes from people. And I mean, a lot of notes that saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Cause everybody else is talking about surviving. I'm still on. No, you got to do more than survive right now. You got to drive and thrive. That's the name of the game. We got to keep you up and going and get you going. You know, we're business. I refer to JJ to you, me and others as, as business first responders, because that's our job is to motivate, excite people, to educate, to inspire them to go and get back to work. Not, not, not like we weren't working before, but work even harder than you had to before. It sucks, but that's what we got to do. Well, I also think it's in the details, right? And if you're not talking business person to business, it, it, it again becomes these kind of platitudes and really it is in the details. And so if you are in the midst of applying for the CARES Act, or if you've just gotten your your PPP funding and you're figuring out, okay, the SBA is changing the rules a little, should I still take this? Mm. And how should I document things so that I'm stuck with the loan instead of grant later on, right? You need to get in there um, with people so you really, they can really understand and feel a community of dealing with issues that are hard. Hey, I, I wanted to speak to talking hard. Uh, last night, I, I visited with the head of the SBA, and I want to come back and ask you a question about that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, welcome back. This is Jeffrey Hazel with All Business uh, on C-Suite Radio. And of course, we're doing a live cast right here on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks for joining us, listening in. Thanks for the questions. I'm trying my best to get to as many of your questions as possible. But you know what? I just like talking to JJ. So we're having a good conversation. We were talking right beforehand about, hey, whether you do the PPP, whether you you do the, you know, Edel, Edel Grant and all this other stuff. And I was talking to the head of the SBA. One of the things that's coming very clear is the problems with taking the PPP money. That's one. Or potential problems. And the other thing is, it's also uncovering a lot of bad business practices, which are preventing people from getting the PPP. Because they didn't pay themselves correctly the way they didn't pay them. They had 1099s instead of having real employees. Uh, you know, not that they're not real employees. They're just contractors, different way. But that affects your business. And that, I think there's been a lot of learnings. How about you? Are you seeing some of those learnings? What would you, what advice would you give to people? There, there have been a lot of learnings, but I just spoke to um, a friend yesterday. He runs a business. It's probably a maybe $20 million business, right? And and I've been talking to him for years. And, and his big issue in business was he kind of never knew. It's always growth, 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 always doing well, um, but never really knew how to evaluate his employees, never really knew where all his money was going or coming from. Actually, knew where it was coming from, never really knew where it was going. And this time for him has changed everything because it has forced him to get into his business and understand understand how he runs it. And he's happier than he's ever been, right? He went through tough times and it's been an emotional roller coaster, but he is happier and more settled with his company than he's ever been because it forced him to really get it, to understand what am I doing here? Well, this entire COVID thing has actually given some people the permission to change their business in different ways. Where before they couldn't because you were, you know, not my, my own business included, where I'm on this roller coaster or this track of doing this, 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 and this, and this just to keep the cash going the way it was. Then boom, this hits. Now I got to rethink that because I can't have that anymore. Boom. And we turned, we changed. And now we're offering more digital. And guess what? Our business is going way up. It's amazing. So, it, which is awesome. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how 
um, offices look at the end of this, right? There's no, you can't work from home because you're not productive. Like, well, clearly that's not true, right? <laughs> And so, and, and all the money that people spend on office space, and I'm, I'm in a, a group of business owners where there's a lot of rethinking what does work look like in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, we got, I want to continue to keep going and I want to hear your thoughts on a question that came in. Any podcast topics or areas that you see the most growth in for the future that you're seeing and or not being touched at all? Is there any insights that you see that comes up? I mean, because there's a lot of these interviews that like we talk on, they just interview them and talk about you know, lessons learned. I, I think, you know, more deeper dives are, are, are needed, you know, and I think some more yeah. normal topical things like what used to be replacing what we would call radio <laughs> into podcasts so people can listen. What, what do you see? Um. I, I'm not going to talk about where I think it's missing. I'm going to talk about where I think people can do better. Um, oh, that's because, good. because podcasting, I mean, because lots of stuff is missing, lots of stuff is there, but I think what is going to rise to the top is quality, right? Regardless of what, of what you're talking about. And because podcasting is so easy to get into, I think people are just, you know, trying and throwing spaghetti at the wall, but you have to remember that there is an audience out there who can easily turn to another podcast. And so to think through what is, what is the narrative, right? What are you trying to get out of this story or out of this conversation and um, be sure to edit, right? Not everyone is worth a 75 minute conversation. Some people are, and that's the yep. beauty of podcasting. But a yep. lot of times, Hey, cut that down to 10 minutes and you will have a great show that doesn't need to be an hour. Yeah. And by the way, even just uh, not just take out the bad parts, just take out the gaps, those kind of things, keep it moving at, at a better speed is one of the things I tell people. And I got to tell you, did you ever interview anyone that on television and never use the interview? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and no one likes to do that. It's terrible, right? You've taken somebody's time. Yeah. But, but, it you, but you have to yeah. do that. You owe it to your listeners. And I'll give you a great example. I had someone here on an interview once and they said, well, how'd they do? I said, it was terrible. I said, it was terrible. I'm not using it. And he goes, what do you mean? By the way, that was he, nice. Well, I think so. To be able to tell me, he goes, what do you mean? I said, I asked you questions. You shook your head. We're not a video. This is a podcast. You have to answer this. You have to talk. You know, and, and, and you can't just give me yes and no answers. You got to give me stories. You got to give me antidotes. You have to give me something that's worthy of listening to other than, you know, and this happened to be an expert in search engine optimization, which he was really good at. One of the best in the world. In fact, world renowned. You, you can look up his book and you would know that, but just crazy. I, you know what I miss most about your show, JJ, before we go? I have to tell you this. I love the elevator pitch. You know, we actually stood in front of a green screen and made it look like an elevator. And I, I enjoyed all of those things. And what was your favorite one? My favorite elevator pitch? Yeah. Uh, God, there were so many good ones. There was, <laughs> um, the fish scaler I thought was pretty awesome. Uh, the guy who came in with the fish scaler. Oh, my God. We had this great one with this mini car that we went into. Oh, we remember the woman so that had the shoes where she could change the heels? Yeah. You remember that one? Yeah, she had a shoe that you could change the heels to tall heels or short heels, depending on whether you're in the city or not, you know, and the greats. And the, the other one, I know you're going to remember this, was the ketchup guy. 
like the 1878 or 1881 ketchup and it's old fashioned ketchup. And he had that big tall hat and he had the handlebar mustache and a goatee. I still order his ketchup. I love his ketchup. It's uh, the cranberry habanero is the best. Uh, That's the best ketchup (laughs) in the world. So so thank you for that gift. Put his name and his website on some po- time here so you can mark it for him right now. I'm sure he'd appreciate I it. I do. I do all the time. I tell everybody, and I just bought another case the other day, and he's still making it in his uh, cottage industry. He's making it work. So, hey, listen, JJ, it's been a pleasure having you. Hey, what's the children's book? Just give a shout out for the children's book that you wrote. Oh, thank you. It's called The Startup Club, a fun fiction book for grammar school age kids. Awesome. But rush out and get it. JJ, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. So good to see you, Jeff. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about the lessons I learned. And I got a great guest coming up right after this. And I'm telling you, he's a funny guy, the Grand Pooh Bar. I'm telling you, he's funny. So stick around. You want to listen to that. But I want to talk about what did I learn in the show today? All right. Two things. One, we learn from our friends. That's where we get all of our strength. That's where we get our greatest power is the power of our friends and surrounding ourselves with great people. And of course, you're going to listen to it. You're going to have, you're going to find the best things from your friends. So reach out to your friends. I thought that was good. Second is in the podcasting industry. If you look at it right now, we're still a youngster. We're still a youngster. This is going to be one of the biggest mediums of all times. It's going to go down as one, the biggest in history of all times, how we listen to the stories, we listen to interviews, listen to books, listen to everything, uh, the power of the of oral and the power of listening. That's it right there. You pine those together. You got podcasting and it's just a baby. Wow. And all this doom and gloom, I think it's time that we need a good dose of humor to counterbalance all of that gloom and doom that we hear in the news cycle and the pressures that we're all facing. Well, Tim Gard is an elite member of the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. He's in there with me. I love this guy. He is funny. He uses humor to combat motivational fatigue. And you're going to hear some of his techniques and you're going to hear some of the insights and some of the learnings that a professional like this, I'm telling you really good stuff. So how can we use humor to improve relations and communications? Well, my next guest, Tim Gard, can answer that. And Tim, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. It's great to be here. Really good to be here, Jeffrey. Well, it's good, to, it's good to have you too. And I'm glad to be able to talk about humor when it's doom and gloom. Do you ever say sometimes, nope, can't use it? Bill, I think there's a time and a place for it. There always is a time and a place for it. If we use it all the time, it's really not effective. It's when we pick and choose when it can be most used as a skill. That's when I think that it becomes something that's not just a schoolboy type thing where you you just can't keep your mouth shut. You know, I think timing is really critically important. If somebody's yelling at you, that's not the time probably to go, I know you're upset, but watch this. That's not what I mean. You know, it's it's not like that. I think that that. Now with Bria, you know, with all this COVID-19, with everything going on, it's gotten so stressful that people think that that there's nothing funny. And I think that now is when we need it more than ever. 
We need it more. Yeah, I mean, I watch my Facebook feed, just the Facebook feed, you know, and there's so many great memes or things that people do. You know, I saw one where they were, you know, uh, homeschooling and working from home and it had a, a, a woman at her desk working, looked like she was working on a Zoom call. And then she had duct taped her kids to the to the wall, you know, uh, to me. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. And and we, and we know it's needed sometimes. And I'm watching other ones. I'm watching other ones, you know, um, that just all these videos and all these, these things you can find humor. I think people are just inherently funny anyway, aren't they? I, I do. I think they are. And I think everybody believes that they're funny. It's finding what works for you. I think some of us are visual. Some of us are more mm -hmm. auditory storytellers, but yeah. everybody enjoys humor. I think the biggest thing now is they're so focused in that uh, on the stressful things that they're not seeing the funny. I mean, I was at yeah. the supermarket the other day and people were yelling about out of toilet paper. And, and I thought to myself, you know, it's really, it's like 1857 is when they invented toilet paper. Prior to that, we were doing well. If, if yeah. I have water, I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. That, that it's not the end of the world. Um, the Charmin truck pulled up just before we left and people were treating it like it was the Kardashians or Bono or somebody like that. You know, it's like, yay! The, I mean, our, our world started revolving around toilet paper for some reason. And it's instead of getting angry about it, find the funny, find the humor. Yeah, find the funny, which I think is. So how do you build rapport with humor when everyone has a you know different sense of humor? How do you build that? You know, I think you have to to find the commonalities. I speak like you all over the world and a cubicle in the U.S. is a cubicle in Germany. It's a cubicle wherever you go. Once you find the commonalities. Although the Germans like it. The Germans oh, like it. <laughs> they would, they, they're probably upset about having to work at home. But uh, yeah. But no, it's it, you look for the commonalities. And yeah. that's where I think the humor comes from. It's like uh, things that were funny before COVID-19 are funny now. It's, yeah. it's just realizing that virtually humor is a little bit different virtually. Um, I yeah. think we have to educate people when we use humor virtually that people, you know, when you and I have an audience and people start laughing, it's contagious. Oh, Nowadays, yeah. I think we've got to educate people about how they can laugh visually. You know, like if we say something a little bit funny, they may do one hand and maybe- Yeah, or wave the hands. Yeah, yeah wave, wave both of the hands. The jazz hands has become the new clapping. We're, I, I don't know if you're using that, but I do yeah. those in all my, because you got to keep people's mics off. Were, were you always funny, Tim? You know, my, my dad was in the Air Force and we moved every two years. And my older brother used music to connect Mm -hmm. to make new friends. My younger brother, I think, was theater. With me, I was always running for class president or something, and I used humor to connect with the kids to make friends every two years. And it wasn't until I discovered that I could teach other people how to do it that it really yeah. began to click, that uh, it's mm -hmm. not just me being funny. And, and, you know, it's not about being a comedian. I don't think people will go, I'm not a comedian. Don't be. Just find yeah. your own humor. Celebrate life with that. You know, we all we all laugh in the same language, Jeffrey. Yeah. Worldwide. Well, you're you're. By the way, I didn't know about that. I've known you for years, and I didn't know about the Air Force. My dad was in the Air Force, and I moved every single year, every two yeah. years as well. That that says a lot about how we get along. You know, yeah, we've been you know been friends, and so I think that's kind of unique. Did, um, is there anything that's off bounds for you? 
that you won't do? Well, I will stay. I don't really like negative humor. I don't like anything mm. that puts people yeah. down or really causes pain or stress. I believe that humor can come from pain, but it should never cause pain or stress. And I think that people that do this, can't you take a joke, that sort of stuff. I, I think that should be out of bounds. And yeah. um, we don't ever want to hurt people and then hide behind it with humor. Yeah. So each of us has a different style. Like, for instance, your humor side, that's your that's your stick. That's your thing. I. I'm known as a business speaker at a, at a, you know, at a different, in a different way, but I use humor a great deal too. You in do. fact, many you people do. say that they, they had never laughed so much. And of course, if they had never seen you yet, but once, once they see you, but it's different. I do mine with storytelling yes. and I do it also with a lot of self deprecation of the stupid stuff that I have done or learned as a result of the things that we do. And I think being able to laugh at yourself C.W. Metcalf said, laugh not with ridicule, but with objectivity and acceptance of self. Being able to laugh at yourself is big. And storytelling to me is even bigger than, than joke telling. That this is really how we communicate um, and we have for a long, long time. But I think what happens is people don't realize your storytelling ability isn't just something that you just, I mean, it's not something that happened immediately. You've been working on that for years. And, and gotten better and better and better. And I think that that's what people need to do is say, if you get a good laugh, work on it and we can even make it bigger. Exactly. So t speaking of making something bigger, I need to make this show bigger by going and talking to the, the folks that sponsor us. So I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and we're live casting right here on LinkedIn and Facebook today. It is just absolutely wonderful to have everybody. And this is all business with Jeffrey Azen on C-Suite Radio. We're talking with Tim Gard, the grand poobah of Tim Gard International. And he's one funny guy. He is in the Hall of Fame, along with myself and some many other great, great speakers, Art Linkletter, Ronald Reagan, um, and so many other people, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, uh, Norman Vincent Peale. I mean, we're talking some big ones and we are certainly honored. We were talking right before the break about uh, the storytelling and how you craft, because most people don't understand or that are speakers. They just think, oh, they're natural. Well, there are some people who are good at it, right? But right. the really great ones, those of us that are in the Hall of Fame, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, we craft it and we keep crafting it. We keep crafting. How you you come up with something funny and you just do it, you do it naturally, but I'm sure there's some gags, some bits, some stories, some things that you do, and you're always probably refining that. Uh, yes, I think, you know, we work on material all the time, and it's that it's never, a story is never really totally done. It's that there's always something little, a word right. here, a word there that we can add, and, and I think that more than anything else, um, getting somebody else to get some input from it uh, about your story is big. I was just talking with our friend Charlie Plum, and you know oh. he, he talks the oh. tap code, uh, prisoner yeah. of war, genuine hero. And and, and, doing, and the, let's let's make sure everybody knows he was captured, Navy Navy pilot, um, was captured and served in Hanoi Hilton uh, sure. for many years, where they were beaten and tortured. And they, his and, tapping code was you know he he tells the story of tapping. Right. Because and it was he, by Morse code, right? And it's an incredible story. And he said, Tim, I need a little bit of humor. And I said, well, you could tell people, you know, about the tap code and then say it worked for everything except knock-knock jokes. 
<laughs> and oh my god years he'd never thought about that and yet it will did be, he work did he work that in he oh, had yeah. to work that oh in. yeah 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 and so sometimes we're so close to it Jeffrey and um there was a guy in uh, uh I was coaching that uh that he's, you know, like he had this thing about scuba diving and rule number one was get certified. Rule number two was to swim with the buddy. Rule number three was tell somebody where you're going. And rule number four was never ascend without exhaling or you'll die. And I had to tell him any rule that ends with or you'll die should probably be rule number one. Number one. <laughs> Probably right at the top, right? Yeah. That's, but you know, like, let's think that Charlie Plum thing. And you just gave him a line that when he tells his story, and if and anyone who have ever seen Charlie, and I have numerous times, because he's just spellbinding, and he's just a great leader, and we we thank him so much for his service and what he gave to this country, because he was a hero, along with uh, others that served, John McCain and others McCain. that served in Hanoi Hilton as well. Yes. Um, despite what the president says, the, you know, um, it just, but just that little piece though, wow, just comes from nowhere. Right. And and to me, humor is, is both subtle and sometimes bam, right it hits face. you from nowhere. And I that's think right. that's kind of unique. Yeah. Humor is just combining of ideas that aren't normally associated together. And sometimes we're too close to me. It's at the, the heart of creativity. I mean, I'm going to be sending out these. I don't know how well you can see them. It looks like spilled ice cream on a yep, spoon. Yep, spilled ice cream on a, on a spoon. Yep, so I'm I see sending it. these out to meeting planners and telling them to save me a seat for their next Zoom call. Um, and it's it's just a, a fun marketing thing. And and yep. and so even something as simple and as as trite maybe as that, I think people will open them, get a laugh out of them, and it's memorable. What's the, what's the, have you heard anything that, that you think has been really funny during the COVID thing that you just like see that you just go, oh my God, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Well, I was at the, uh, at this, at this little, like a 7-Eleven store. And as you're exiting, there's like those little, the height thing, or it says you're five foot, six foot, whatever yeah. it is in case they get robbed. And as I was walking out the door, this guy says, he goes, so if you get robbed, are you going to say six foot tall wearing a mask? You know, every, because everybody had a mask on. And I just had to stand there and laugh and laugh and wonder about like the casinos, you know, when they yeah. open the casinos up, it's all these people, you know, are they going to have mask? of all the things? It's just so absurd. What well, um, adds a whole new, a, a whole new realm to the word poker face now. Right? Really <laughs> it'd be poker, poker eyes. That would yeah, be poker, poker eyes. eyes. <laughs> they, they, you don't have a poker face. Now you got a poker. And if you have a patch, it's just one eye. Poker right. eye. Yeah, you've that's, got a tell of one eyebrow that's kind of ticking there, and you've got to. Is there it ever been a story that you have told or done that you thought was just going to crush it, and you did it, and it went flat? You know, I I uh, I tell a story about falling off a stage, and uh, I fell. I literally fell off a stage, hit really hard, actually cracked a rib, and I I when I looked up, the audience was laughing, and then. Uh, later on, it was like, I, I look up and I say, and now I'll take questions from the floor. And they, they just <laughs> lost it again. And so I told that story a couple weeks later about, you know, and now I'll take questions from the floor. Nobody said a word. And I found out that one of the people the year before had actually fallen off a stage and broken their ankle. 
And I didn't, oh. I didn't know about it, but I got up expecting this big laugh and it was just, just dead air comedy. Hell we call yeah. it. And oh, yeah. uh, that's when the meeting planner said, Tim probably should have told you that so-and-so last year broke their ankle. And it was like, yeah, would have been good. Would have been. Yeah. Good. I, that's, those are key questions I ask. Like, has anyone ever died on the stage? I mean, literally died yeah. on the yeah. stage. I want to know those things because I have lines that say, Hey, no one, no one died. Well, yeah, they did. And I like to know those things going in before I give a speech, you know? Well, um, and it becomes, it adds to our, our, our questionnaire. Every time we do one and something like that happens, it's just a new question line so that it doesn't happen again. My dad used to say, it's only stupid if you do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Cause the other one was just a learning experience. How about, yeah. Hey, tell, tell me about your sticky safety training. Sticky safety, I, I like a lot of people, I had been to so many safety meetings where you literally, I would almost rather have somebody hit me in the face than go attend these meetings. They're just brutally yeah. boring. And so right. I spent a year researching uh, safety, looking at neurolinguistic programming and psycholinguistics about how language works, and then finding the funniest stories about safety that make a point. Um, I think that the biggest aha that I made that while well, I was developing the training, Jeffrey, was that people want to be very factual when they tell a safety, you know, something happened in a safety violation. But when, when, they, when they report it, it has to be factual, documentary. When you tell the story later, it needs to be like a feature film. It needs to have entertainment value and it needs to have emotional context or it doesn't stick in the listener's brain. And so I built this whole sticky safety program around that. And it's new to this year. Um, it's been, I've really had a lot of fun with it, telling stories about stapling my hand to a, a cabinet when I worked at, at Bear Manufacturing in Montana and the little things that I've done over the years. But it's been a great part. It's a new part of my business. And uh, I think it's really going to be a hit. Oh, good for you. I'm glad to hear it. Who, who do you look to? As we kind of wrap up here, I, I hate to, to to wrap up because I really enjoy talking to you. I'm going to have to have you back, Tim. Have me back. Um, I'd love to come back. Yeah, because we could just have a lot of fun. Uh, who do you look up to in terms of, uh, of you know, like comedy genius or who, where do you get your motivation from? You know, when you got a guy that's in the Hall of Fame like yourself and you're that funny and you literally are, it's just, it's, who do you look to? Who do you get your, your inspiration from? You know, Jonathan Winters was always my hero. Oh, yeah. And um, I used to watch him do Grandmother's Attic, where he improved on items he just picked up and talked about. Uh, I love to watch the old Carol Burnett, Harvey Conway, where they, they try to make themselves break character yeah. and laugh. Yeah. There's one he does with an elephant that's joined at the trunk. That this, just this snark. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> And so I watched those um, yeah. speaker wise. I mean, Mark Scherenbrock to me is one of the best in the world. He's oh, one of totally. the best, incredible storytellers. But we are lucky to be able to know so many of them in our own circles and get to know them. But I, I really do like to look at the 60s humor and the Smothers Brothers. And I look at the timing and um, I was just watching Tommy Smothers. Somebody said, is red meat bad? And he goes, red meat's not bad for you. Blue green meat is bad for you. <laughs> and I thought, that's just that's the best line ever. So I, I look to those people that, uh, that really loved the craft of laughter. You know, Jerry Seinfeld's yeah. a hero. 
Um, so many of those. Robin Williams, I, to this day, I, I'm so sorry I missed seeing him live. He's just a comedic genius. I, I spent an evening with him in San Francisco once. <sighs> I met him at a massage uh, spa parlor in San Francisco when I was there with a good friend of mine. And he was in the room next to us. And then when we came out, we just started talking. And, uh, and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're going to dinner. You want to go? And he said, yeah. And so myself and, and this other gentleman and myself, we went. And it was about 11 o'clock at night in San Francisco. We sat in a Chinese restaurant until 3 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. And, and we had one of the, the greatest times and, and never, never talked to him again, never saw him again after that. But what a great time. And, and then you mentioned, you know, like Carol Burnett, you know, Tim Conway, Harvey Corman. Um, the, you, those are some of the greatest, you know. And even today, I like I actually like people like Jack uh, uh, Lewis Black. You know, genius. I, genius. he's a genius. I love to watch him. Um, I do my best not to borrow from him, but it's so hard. Right. He's so good not to, when you watch different people and I do that, and I'm sure you do too, but we have to be careful because we have to have our own sense of it. But we I do, but I do learn from people. My biggest fear is that I'm going to be on stage and something's going to pop into my head about some comedy routine that I saw back in the seventies subconsciously, um, like, like the Tommy Smothers line. Yeah. And, and so, and forgotten where it came from. So yeah. um, I don't go to a lot of comedy shows, but, but I will tell you, I, I mean, I look at the bits and the pieces and things like that. And the old, the old vaudeville humor where they did uh, even without sound, there's so much we can learn with how their faces, what they did with their faces, their body, their clothes, all. Well, I'll tell you, but that's hard to, that's hard to do on a podcast. I just it's want to very, point that out. It's very hard to do. That's right. But, <laughs> It, it you know to but to learn from those and and by the way and honor those people and you know even said I heard this or tell a, I think that's okay too but there are some great great people that I've learned from over the time I mean I love Jerry Clower and Jerry Clower was funny and he was Very a funny. storyteller and he and I go back and listen to records and that's who I grew up with and I learned from them about you know different ways of technique you talk about Mark uh, Sharonbrock mm -hmm. Mark is a classic classic storyteller and the way he does it he's an actor he he brings in these characters but his meticulousness of of the delivery and i think that's important for people I, that you know you guys call it comedic timing right mm -hmm. it's so important for you it's it's so critical and and when you look at it that you're always doing it for the audience you know alan wise said our primary responsibility is to those that hire us second to our audience and third to ourselves and when you yeah. do that, then you're always working on your material. You're always trying to find things that will help the audience understand the message while having fun and laughing. Yeah. Well, Tim, it's been a pleasure. You are certainly the grand Pooh bar. We're talking to Tim Gard, uh, Tim Gard Enterprises International, Tim Gard International, not just the U.S., but Canada, too. Okay. Canada. International. He's everywhere. Thanks so much for being with us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Take care. End of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And I tell you what I learned from Tim Gard, the story's never done. The story's never done. You know, good speakers, good comedians, by the way, good, um, good marketers, they always keep crafting and working on the story. It's never done until it's done, and it's never done. 
because you're always going to keep improving and changing it, making it better. And what we started with won't be what we end with. I'll guarantee you that. That's the, the mark of a good joke. That's the mark of a great motivational story or inspirational story or even a great piece of education. Uh, the story never ends. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazard. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to tell for other folks about C-Suite Radio. We'd love to have you come back and be a listener, not just on my show, but other ones as well. Thanks so much. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.